Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds, helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities. We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal, create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. I have to admit something. I'm a workaholic. Well, actually a recovering one at least. I haven't been very good at work-life balance. And like many of us, I've had a long history of working to achieve the next biggest thing, to chase production um, over knowing my own self-worth. And from the beginning of my work life, I devoted excessive time and mental energy to work in an effort to feel competent in my work. In my second job I was given, I was given an almost impossible task to build 50 homes in four months after Hurricane Katrina and have perpetually felt not good enough in my work life. I went into management consulting and was giving, given increasingly more responsibility, which I don't think I deserved in my younger years. And my way of being worthy was for me to execute better and more than anyone else on my team. My relationship to work went much deeper and unbeknownst to me, I was reliving patterns from my own childhood where I had to take on parenting duties for myself and my younger sister and was using work as a way to ease and sometimes ignore my emotions and past trauma. These tendencies turned me into an ambitious person, always striving to be better, to do better. So even when I was not at work, I was working on myself. About a decade ago, my friends would say, you're the busiest person I know. And I would wear that like a badge of honor. I felt I was needed and wanted. And I'm also getting things done. Who doesn't want to see that? For me, it was a way to feel important. And I was trading my own self-worth with my work. Because God forbid, I slow down and actually feel my feelings for a change. But at the end of 2018, that came to abrupt stop when I chose to step away and take a sabbatical. During that time, I forced myself to feel my feelings, to face my fears, to to face the things that I've been running away from for most of my life. And during that time, I've since wondered, is balance even what I'm aiming to do to begin with? And in life, everything is kind of unbalanced. So why would I chase work-life balance if everything is already balanced? And at the time, my life was so unbalanced un and, and unmanageable that I couldn't see it. And so I felt like I needed to step away from it. So when I saw this phrase, work-life harmony, that resonated so much more with me. 
And this is the topic of our conversation today. This is the third of five essentials in the Surgeon General's framework on mental health and well-being. Hi, I'm Kevin, and I was trained to work. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, for sharing your story. I've related to it a lot. I feel like, oh, like attracts like, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I feel very similarly. Work was a central team for me, as has been, it still is, I think, for a long time. I remember working all day and then taking a break, and this was like my first job out of college, and I would work from nine to five go go home eat and take a little break and then come back at about eight o'clock and then work till 2 a.m and then then go back and do that and this was during some big releases or some big date pressures but i remember feeling proud for doing that and everyone's celebrating and i was like oh i did that and i'm like oh wow i probably didn't do great work if i was sleep deprived but <laughs> And the, like what you shared is so important. Like you said, even when we're not working, it's we're doing work on ourselves. And and that is so powerful for me because I remember I was on a on a on a vacation with friends and one of my closest friends, he was like, When are you gonna stop working? And I'm like, What? I'm not working, I'm on vacation. I, I wasn't working, but I was continuing to work on myself. I wasn't letting myself just play and be and yeah. so it was quite a Aware, like a great feedback point, a great opportunity. So yeah, this topic of work-life harmony, I, I kind of like how you were sort of talking about, instead of talking about it, work-life balance, which like in life, it's hard to achieve. It's something it's hard to achieve. But if we think about work-life harmony, how can work sort of integrate into our lives? I think it's something that's maybe more achievable. Uh, I had a manager who used the phrase work-life work -life integration. It was more like, hey, as long as we're delivering the outcomes, as long as we're working towards um, a journey where we feel fulfilled from work, we're feeling our life is supported, that work-life integration comes into play. And I sort of see work-life harmony in, in that perspective a little bit. Um, because the word harmony helps highlight the outcome of living in harmony. Work-life harmony has two needs that we all share, the need for autonomy and flexibility. So this is in the framework, the uh, certain general's framework that talks about these two fundamental needs that um, humans have and that sort of contribute towards work-life harmony. We want to feel in control and have the power to make choices for ourselves that best serve our needs. And we want the flexibility to organize our lives that best supports our life journey. Work-life harmony is the ability to organize your professional and personal life in a way that is satisfying and productive. So the Surgeon General's framework outlines that organizations that increase worker autonomy or, or give them more control or on how they work, how they come in, what do they wear, different aspects of it, um, and the workplaces that provide greater flexibility or the ability for, the, for people to work when it fits best in their life and how it fits align their life, um, see the most success around um, retaining staff for longer the in and see a lot more success as an organization culturally output from the organization because people feel a sense of ownership people feel that empowerment the expansion of remote and hybrid work opportunities driven by the needs of the covid-19 pandemic enabled by advances in technology like zoom etc has a number of impacts on worker mental health and well-being that 
that require merit additional research. While some reporting has shown the positive impacts of remote and hybrid work on flexibility, others have indicated negative impacts of blurred work-life boundaries. So it's a complicated subject. And I think it's to help us sort of understand a little bit, um, we're gonna first do a more of a self-reflection exercise. Just ask ourselves like, there's, there's 20 questions, and we're going to link it in our show notes, but there are 20 questions that uh, are sort of listed online where we found where you, you realize whether you have been, you are or have been a workaholic. And Amy, you mentioned that you're a recovering workaholic, and I feel like I'm, I just work, like I'm like, when I'm not working, I'm like, ooh, I have time, what can I work? And then I join boards <laughs> of nonprofits, yeah. and then I'm like, oh, now I have a lot more work, and oh, I'm doing this and that, right? Yes. <laughs> um there's 20 questions. We're not going to go over them, but one of them was, are there times when you are motivated and pushed through tasks when you don't even want to, and other times when you procrastinate, avoid them when you would prefer to get things done? So this is one of the questions. Like if you answer this, maybe you might be, uh, might be or uh, were a workaholic. There's a lot of interesting questions like, do you pull all-nighters? Do you take work with you to bed, like on your phone, like vacations? And I used to do that. I, when I went on, I remember I would take my work, my phone, and I was just always on my phone or even like times uh, like uh, my partner was sleeping and I would be on calls during vacations. Do you regularly underestimate how long something will take and then rush to complete it? Um, do you try to multitask to get more done? And I am still... Yes, on that one, that question. Um, I feel like I'm like, oh, if I I have this thing in my head where if I I have I have to do tasks left or if I have notifications, maybe I don't know if it's obsessive or something, and I just can't I can't stop thinking about it. I can't I have to take care of it, and and so I, I feel like I'm getting I'm trying to work on it and get better. Another question is, do you feel agitated when you are idle and or hopeless um, that you'll ever find balance? And I talked about that. It's like when I'm just idle or I'm just sitting and like I have nothing to do, I used to be like, oh, I have to, am I putting output? Should I be doing more? I could be doing more. I should be doing more. And now I'm like, I have this playlist in my uh, that I created called Just Exist. So when it's I have like, nothing to do, I like, put on that playlist and I just sit, close my eyes and just listen and I just exist. So I'm working on this. This is the approach to working on this. <laughs> we'll, link, we'll link the questions, um, the website where you got these questions in the show notes. Um, th but one thing I wanted to acknowledge is like people and myself and my past self, we've said that, you know, I've said that we know work is a lot, but I have to do it. And that just, that just comes in the system we're in. And, and how many times, Amy, you, have you like thought about like, yo, we have, I have a lot of work, but I got to do it and we got to keep pushing yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially when I'm, when I'm going on vacation, you know, mm -hmm. that, that like, I need to get it all done and, and like, make sure everybody's okay. When, uh, that last little push that you have before you go on vacation and it's just stress, you know? So I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it's, it's the system it's, it's the constant production. If we're not working, if we're not contributing to society, we're worthless. That mindset compounded by, uh, inequalities across the systems sort of privileges all these things sort of come together and and um i think just the idea how does capitalism impact us like i wanted to like that's one of the questions that keep coming up for me as well mm -hmm. yeah so that's 
that's a big question. And like, how did we get here? You mm-hmm. know? So I did a bit of research and I was pulling back from my, my mindset on back in my um, AP American history days uh, to go back into, um, into like some of the, the history of um, our country um, and this, and I'm talking about the American way, but, you know, with globalization, a lot of these, this mindset has spread all around the globe. Um, and so this, our country has a history of overworking our people because of capitalism. That's not a surprise. And in the late 19th century, the American economy transformed from a predominantly agricultural um, climate to an industrial one. And so wage workers started laboring in factories and mines and railroads and workers organized and started forming unions and led strikes for higher wages, safer conditions and shorter hours. But the employers responded with lockouts, with hiring of replacement of workers and legal action and violence was really common back then. Um, and companies try to squeeze every last ounce of productivity out of us. People would work 10, 16 hour days. People, you know, even now, I think people like uh, collapse after working 24 hours in a row. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and I still see people still holding the badge or like, oh, I, I, I pulled an all nighter or like, oh, that's such a big accomplishment. Like I worked like all weekend. Mm, yep. Absolutely. Yes. And that that psyche is in our world today. Uh Um, And a lot of times, like back then, child labor was there was no no child labor laws. Child labor would work in incredibly cheap wages, lose hands, fingers and even lose their life. Um, We would go to work depleted and then start again the next day after we've charged after we've charged our batteries um, through sleep and whatever food and human connection we could muster. And later in the 20th century, so this is the 1900s, workers, businesses, and government all tried to adapt to an economy that was becoming urban and industrial. So this ushered in the progressive era. Um, It saw an upsurge of labor unrest, as well as proposals and laws to alleviate the worst abuses of industrial capitalism. Um, So some proposals were put forward during the during the 1920s, um, but very few were enacted. Um, so there's been a history of us having this push um, for productivity, us pushing back against it, and then employers then pushing back against the workers. Um, and then the Great Depression happens in um, 1929, and it was a time of poverty and unemployment. Then World War II came, um, and especially women and Black Americans were, um, had. there's new expanded economic opportunities, people go to war, and now women and like the Rosity Riveter, Riveter type of characters, kind of like my grandmother, um, who went from West Virginia to Baltimore to um, help the world war effort. Um, but that what the thing was happening is that the depression and the war brought clashes between business and labor that resulted in new federal government regulations and laws and an upsurge in union membership. And that continued on after the war, after World War II, 
until it got to a, a head in 1960s and 1970s. And that's where the civil rights and disability rights movements um, started happening. Um, so it's it brought about anti-discriminatory discriminatory legal prote- protections in the workplace and increased government regulation. Um, these directions expanded until the 1970s. Um, and then there was renewed enthusiasm with uh, renewed enthusiasm for free market solutions and deregulation. So one thing that I found was interesting in the research is that the five-day, 40-hour work week was adopted by Henry Ford in 1913. And that was um, listed on his assembly lines, and it was the standard by which our work weeks are created in the for the most part. And here's something I learned this past weekend on a retreat that the reason why the 40-hour work week was created by Ford was because he wanted to sell more cars for the people that worked for him. So he wanted people to go out and buy cars and have vacations and spend their weekends out and having a good time with each other so that he would buy more cars, right? And so they would make more cars. So it's really fascinating (laughs) to see all that. And then um, what what has happened in today, you know, the 40-hour work week was created in 1913, but today the majority of American jobs and that's 80 about 80% of jobs as of 2019 don't involve us using assembly lines or factories. And so there hasn't been a lot of change in the way we we view um the world um and our labor rights um since the the rights revolution um going from the 60s into the 80s. Um the a 2008 Harvard Business School survey of a thousand professionals found that 94% worked 50 hours or more a week, and almost half worked in excess of 65 hours a week. So overwork has become a credential of prosperity. Wild, right? <laughs> it's it's. I'm I'm just like taking it in, like oh my gosh, it's. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, you have, I have no nothing word. to say. I have nothing, no, it's like, yeah, know. the perplex the there's a perplexing thing um about the cult of overwork. Um, we've known this for a while. Long hours diminish both productivity and quality. And this was something that I read about from J- James Surowicki, um, who wrote about the cult of overwork in the New Yorker in 2014. And he says, among industrial workers, overtime raises the rate of mistakes and safety mishaps. Likewise, for a knowledge worker's fatigue and sleep deprivation make it hard to perform at a high cognitive level. Past a certain point, overworked people become less efficient and less effective, and the effects are cumulative. So what what we were what he was also saying in this idea of cult of overwork is like why is it so hard to overcome this and it's number one it's simple economics the hours we put in are billed so it makes us work longer and not smarter especially in fields like um 
law and you know if you're a consultant you know mm -hmm. those kinds of things um or, or even like any jobs like a front line that it's hourly jobs any hourly wage oh, yeah. it, it's it's really it's this idea that um you're only going to pay for the time they're spending and you're getting paid for that and spending that time with them and 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 40 hours is that full-time job <laughs> yes exactly and you're just <laughs> spending that time and 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 a lot of that time is like you know it, i remember in consulting 40 hours was your client work and if you were a manager you have to work above and beyond the 40 hours right mm -hmm. to do any work if so if you were a manager you would do your management role that was above and beyond the 40 hours oh, and yeah and i i hear folks like sharing stories from the interviews saying like oh they got a um job offer from a company or like they were talking to interviewing with a company and the company's like oh yeah 40 hours is just the guidelines the expectation is to work more that's the start that a lot yes. of the companies start exactly and and it's it's harrowing to to hear that but that's that's what we've been conditioned to do and that's where has led us to this idea that this is a habit we formed and over times this type of work expectations have become habits these habits have become, this is the way we've always done it. So mm -hmm. it's comfortable. <laughs> it's familiar, even if we're killing ourselves in the process. And we've inherited a long line of our work ancestors, passing this on from one generation to the next. And, you know, we've inherited this lineage. Oh, so yeah. I, I, a lot of times I sit and think, I look at my dog or I look at like, and I'm like, oh, look at them just taking a nap. It's nice, isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it brings me back to, you know, the nap ministry. Um, oh, yeah. And, <laughs> uh, the nap uh, bishop, um, uh -huh. Trisha Hershey. Trisha, um, yeah. <laughs> and grinding long work hours for years helps us think of ourselves often as tougher or more dedicated. You mentioned this before, right? Like I'm well aware this as a badge of honor and mm -hmm. working 15 hours a day doesn't just demonstrate your commitment to a company. It reinforces your commitment. And over time, the simple fact that you work so much becomes proof that the job is worthwhile and being in the office day and night becomes a permanent initiation ritual. So it's kind of all these rituals that we have around work. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, this culture of overwork is taking a huge toll on us. Um, so many people are driven to overwork for different reasons. I mentioned a couple at the beginning of the this show, but they all lead to bad outcomes. <laughs> Workaholics tend to work beyond what is reasonably expected of them by their organization. They don't, workaholics don't enjoy their work. They feel compelled to work because of internal pressures. And so they work, in other words, they work because they feel like they should or ought to be working. And this is also like a self-perpetuating like cycle because it's like, we're told we should be working and then we work, right? So workaholics have persistent thoughts about work when they're not working. They find it difficult to mentally disengage from work. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, I think those things. But one thing I wanted to sort of click on more was this idea like work workaholics don't enjoy work. I, I think there might be situations where people they're maybe they think that they're enjoying the work. Maybe they're under like maybe there's that cognitive dissonance happening as well. Uh and maybe truly they are, but 
that still is that all they do is is work or if that's become their their central theme of their life mm-hmm. and 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 that's a choice i get it that's a choice but as long as we're making that choice intentionally and uh, with awareness i think that's an important factor in this that's true like i mean i let me tell you i i love doing innovation work in consulting innovation consulting work that's why i work so much but i also had internal pressures because that was i was creating for myself because i thought i was terrified i would i would be fired or mm. or something would happen so i think oh yeah that they fear feed exists. on each other <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah they feed on each other you might like it but you it's also a bad relationship you're in yeah and also um, i think i think like there's there'll be like founders and startup founders and ceos they're like oh yeah i worked 24/7 i did this to make this 100%. company <laughs> and and Great. Congratulations. You made the choice and you did it. It's great. And in in how much of yourself did you sacrifice in that? And maybe that's what they wanted to do. And that's absolutely, yeah. that is a personal choice. As long as it doesn't harm others, I think I'm supportive. Yeah. But I think it's important for us to understand, and uh, which I'm learning is how having a balance at that work-life harmony, having this approach where we work and then we can go and play and we can go and love and we can go and do other things helps us be better at work. There's a point of diminishing 100%. returns as well when we just keep working all the time. And I think that's important yeah. to understand yeah. and making this choice. Yeah, absolutely. And like when we are in that that cult of overwork and workaholism, we have these negative emotions like anxiety and guilt. Mm-hmm. And so if we keep having them, we're just going to keep having those experiences. And when we're away from that, we're having human connection and engaging with humans, right. And having empathy and compassion, that's where we get to overcome that anxiety and that guilt, you know, and, and what's happening at the end of the day, Melissa Clark, um, who's a psychologist at the university of Georgia, she looked at 89 studies and she found that overall workaholism, and this is not a surprise, but I'm just going to say, um, was related to lower job, family, and life satisfaction and bad mental and physical health. Mm. Um, It doesn't, being a workaholic does not help somebody's productivity or succeed at work. Yeah. It actually harms you. Yeah. But the researchers found that workaholism was strongly related to increased job stress and burnout. And workaholics tend to have traits like a type A personality, and they're motivated by achievements and be, and are perfectionists, like everybody in Washington, D.C. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, so, all right, well, and there's a fine line between being a workaholic and being an engaged worker. So an engaged worker... Um, are driven to work because they find it pleasurable. They really enjoy doing it, but workaholics are driven because there's this inner compulsion to do so. And I think it's driven by mm. this, you know, capitalistic push to like always produce. Mm. Um, and workaholism was related to feeling more guilt, anxiety, anger, and disappointment. And it happens, it it's, goes into your work and your home, but if you're really engaged at work and you have high work engagement, it's related to being more joyful, mm. attentive, and self-assured. So at the end of the day, there's this fine line between those two things, being a workaholic and being an engaged worker. But the thing is like, 
I think it's just how we think of it. And I think awareness yeah. is so key here. Yeah. Um, but my question for you, you know, Kevin, <laughs> is how can we <laughs> stop ourselves by being engulfed by work and being a workaholic? And how can we get to more of an engaged worker? Oh, yeah, I think that's such a great question. And it's the first step is understanding that work-life harmony is a benefit and is generative for us. That is an important accepting that like for me to be healthy, it is a healthy choice we can make to build a life that includes work and life and not just work yeah. with life as a side dish. Um, work-life harmony in the workplace is the ability to balance professional personal responsibilities in a way that is healthy and productive. And it is important to have good work-life um, harmony because it can lead to a number of benefits. So like some of the things you mentioned earlier, which was reduced stress levels, improved mental and physical health, increased productivity, which companies ding, ding, ding will like, <laughs> um, improved relationships. I see that because I remember when I was in that workaholic space, I remember anger, stress, anxiety, de uh, depression, disappointment, all of those feelings were happening. Um, I don't think I was giving in my relationship, personal life as much as I was giving into my work. And then, and until I had to separate myself from the work, increased job satisfaction, uh, greater overall well-being. Absolutely. I think so many good benefits. It's just healthy living. It gives us the, I think I extended my life by by giving up a job that in that workaholic mindset because I feel mm -hmm. like very strongly about that because I, I thought I was on I was going to be running myself out of existence mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. and now in the place I am I'm like wow I, I can't wait to live another extra year and keep adding more <laughs> yeah um, it's so true yeah when we when we and, and all of this starts is, is with around the boundaries and We've talked about boundaries a lot, and I think it's it's an important aspect to understand is this, when we set up boundaries between work and life, it, in, 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 it enables us to play, live, rest, explore. And when we do all those things, we learn new perspectives, we learn new tools, we learn new things of thinking, and that come with us when we go to work. It doesn't stay in the life part, it comes with us. And just like when we work, work comes with us in our life. And, and so when, when we take those things, it can help us be more engaged at work. It can be, build that more engaged worker because I, I've had, I've played, I've, I've expressed my creative sense. I've, I've had a hobby, travel, whatever. And those new perspectives come with us and make us better, more productive at work. It enables us to perform by coming up with new ideas, building better processes, um, maybe even finding new ways to solve problems that we thought were blockers that were, were impossible to solve. Um, it And a lot of the things when you mentioned about self-confidence is when we perform better at work, we are we end up likely making more money, which helps us build more self-confidence, improves our self-esteem and helps us come into our personal lives with those feelings as well. So when I'm feeling confident at work, I can bring that in my personal life. So it's a, it's a, it's a this harmony is not just a, like, that's why I like, you said, I don't like the balance. Balance says like, I will have work and then I'll have life and I'll have about equal amounts of it or some amount of it. Harmony is how can one help the other and the other help the other and back and forth yeah, and, 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 and come together in that sense. So 
when when work encroaches into our life and and or life encroaches too much in, in like or the other way around that starts ends up harming both sides are and it becomes that vicious cycle of doom where it's like okay if maybe something is happening in our life that is maybe it's a partnership or death or something and then it starts impacting our work then our performance impacted and so then we get oh you're not performing okay you go and then the cycle and then we're not performing that breaks our confidence that then comes back into our life and then it's it just becomes a mess so it's important for us to understand that these things affect each other and harmony is a way to make sure that we are aware like you like you said earlier and we're not pushing ourselves to the point of diminishing returns when working or in 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 this so a, a trial so this was a recent study very recent a uh, trial of a 4 day work week in britain was done and it was billed as the world's la- largest study of this kind where it's a lot of companies came together um, and has found that overwhelming majority of the 61 companies that participated from June to December, um, they tested out shorter four-day work week. People still got paid the same and they tested this out and the results were amazing. There, were, there was no question. The employees were less stressed. They were more productive. Their revenues increased for the company. So it did not impact. This shows that this 40-hour work week that Henry Ford set up is was to as an assembly line does not apply into our world anymore, where we can find that harmony by giving our life more space from work and work can be better because of that. Um and the this is all like the study showed that the companies reported revenue and and or more revenue or largely stayed the same. Um, and then the tri- during the trial period, they extended. All these companies said, oh, we're going to continue this. This is great. We're not going to change back. So after the study ended, they didn't stop their four-day four work week. Um, and people end up, there was less abs- absenteeism as well when this was happening in, in, in the companies. Um, one of the things I, I encourage is to seek help from a professional if you're struggling to achieve work-life harmony listen to get content, do do some of that work. But um, one of the things we can do ourselves, which I have done very strongly, and I I sort of try to role model this for my team, is by setting boundaries. I take breaks, I prioritize my time, I I don't put work on my phone, and I'm like, okay, when I'm away, work doesn't come with me. I have to be near my laptop to to work. Uh, When you have uh, work-life harmony and and we're feeling uh, that sort of generative way, we might allow us to explore into hobbies, feel more relaxed, have the better relationships, and maybe have moments of self-reflection as well. Yeah. One thing I would say too, Kevin, related to that is like, you mod as a leader, you're one of the managers within your company, uh-huh. and you model that behavior for everybody else too, right? Yeah. I see- over and over again <laughs> it's like oh yeah i and i i yeah. if i see my boss who's supposed to be on pto and he's like working and i call him i'm like hey why are you working <laughs> like this is not goal, good role modeling and then he understands yeah. and so like I, I i i agree i think it's on us to hold each other accountable as well mm-hmm. because we all need support we all need help yeah. um and work life i believe work life harmony is important to everyone <laughs> that's working um, but I think it's especially important for people who work long hours and that have demanding jobs when, when they have work-life harmony and they're able to have the privilege to have work-life harmony, which is a whole other thing is because if you're so strapped for money and you're in a system where inequity is high, 
you have no other option in that moment to think but okay for survival i have to push myself to the end and 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 as much as possible so it's important to keep that in mind that that privilege is another intersectional dimension in all of this that comes in mm-hmm. um but the other aspect of achieving work life harmony or building work life harmony rather this responsibility lies on both parties it's not just on us it's also on the employers and it's on both parties to do that so just like i said for ourselves we want to set boundaries the employers have a motivation and and the employers will benefit from people that come in rested focused engaged and again that leads to more productivity they bring in new perspectives that might lead to breakthrough innovation and bold ideas and then organizations that increase worker autonomy or have much or give them more control um on how they do their work and our workplace uh, give flexibility on how they, when they work and their workplace flexibility or their ability to work uh, and when it is best for them or what works in their life, see workers um, who are more likely to succeed and stay longer with the company. So the framework does a fantastic job outlining a lot of these things, uh, providing more autonomy to be more outcome focused is a really important one. So instead of saying, do this exact thing the way I say it, more saying like, hey, we want to achieve this goal. This is the goal. This is the mission mm-hmm. we want to achieve. How do you think we want to do it? So it gives that sense of ownership. It gives them that sense of autonomy on that work. So it builds a little bit of that. Okay, so to do this, maybe I need time to go think. Maybe I need to go play a little. I need to come back and process this. So giving them that autonomy is important. Uh, making schedules as flexible and predictable as possible. Every person's life is different. If a, if a possible employer can show, they can understand this. Uh, they can like, they understand that every life is different and we can get, help you make flexible or predictable schedules so that people can plan ahead. I think those are really empowering things that can help it, help build that work-life harmony that we have. The other one employers can do to support this is increase access to paid leave, uh, having sick time, having time off, mental health breaks, understanding all that. I think we we can learn from Europeans. We could learn from some of the other countries that have a lot more PTO than Americans do. So I think it's a really important one. Um, and then the other one is respecting boundaries. Employers need to respect the boundaries that the employees are setting as well between work time and non-work time. Um, on So honoring those boundaries is a really important part. And as we talked yeah. about from the personals front, what we can do, setting those boundaries, set real, realistic expectations for yourself on your employer. Be, tell your employer, this can't be done. Here's why. And this is the data. And instead of accepting, yes, I see that a lot. When I when tasks come in, people are like, yep, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And then they just end up stacking all that work. And now they're stressed. Now what do we do? Um, being honest with ourselves about how much work we can handle, saying no to extra work, uh, delegate. Delegation, you, you think it's, it's easy, but it's not. I see so many people who want to be managers. And I'm like, the first thing you need to do is learn to delegate. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's one of the things that are important. Taking care of your physical health, eating healthy, exercising, managing stress. One that's I think is so important and I've been learning so much about is getting enough sleep. Um, I learned like drowsy driving is worse than drunk driving. And mm. and we don't and like if you're working 15 hour days and then driving home, are you putting your life in danger? Like what's going on there, right? Yeah, so, and everybody else is on the road. And too. everybody else is, exactly. And I, I just I was talking to a mom recently and she's like, she told me like there were times when she had her baby in the car and, and she was driving. I'm like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be driving right now because I'm sleep deprived. And that's worse than drunk driving. And and finally, taking care of your mental health. 
do things that you enjoy outside of work, get hobbies, take breaks to recharge, spend time with your family and friends. Like today I had a break between my meetings. So I took my dog and went to the park for a little bit of a walk. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this to recharge and come back. So, mm -hmm. and, and finally disconnecting from work outside of work hours and spending that time with the people you care about. I think those are very powerful ways of achieving that uh, or building towards that work-life harmony. A hundred percent. And, and something that I think that connects the two as well as like, is, is that point about that you were making earlier about employers can have flexibility, but also some employers have, have unlimited PTO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm -hmm. research has shown <laughs> that when you have unlimited PTO, less people are taking time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so having that PTO, like, and as a individual who has that, know that, you know, you can't abuse it. Um, you shouldn't abuse it, but take the time for yourself because it's yours, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so, you know, I think there's there's a much greater awareness around all of that. Yeah. Um, I, and I heard someone say like when they when they weren't working in a company that unlimited PTO, they said, okay, I've set a goal of like five weeks a year is my, what I'm going to cap myself. Yeah. So they're setting that own boundary for themselves. Exactly. And you have to kind of plan that into your schedule. Yeah. So, um, so this is, those are all great ideas um, that you got from a little bit from the work, um, the, the Surgeon General's framework, mm -hmm. and also some other like thoughts and research that you've done. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I'm thinking about is like, as I'm learning more, I'm learning more as I get older, that it's a yes. And we have to kind of change the system that needs to shift and bend but also at the same time, we need to change our expectations of the system and how we operate in the system. So what would happen if our company started giving us autonomy to make us, it just might allow us to realize that we, what we want and need are is valid and we can advocate for our needs at work. But also at the same time, we have little control over outcomes as individuals uh, but we can control uh, how we show up and act and loosen our grip on the world and sometimes on our work. Um, this is by far the thing that I've had to realize and really worked on it for the past five years to sustain myself, um, to remind myself that at the end of the day, all these things, this too shall pass. Um, so there will be some good times, there'll be some cyclical nature of life, you know, um, but you also need balance and there's all this time that you need to recalibrate so that you can come back refreshed and ready to take on your work and, and take on life. So to summarize what we've been talking about today, as we close up this, this, um, really lovely episode, I think of like work-life harmony here is number one, we've all been trained to work and many of us are workaholics. And our country has this deep overwork, uh, history of overwork due to capitalism. And what was interesting is from the late 19th century into the 20th century, there's been so much upheaval in our labor laws, and it gave us the system that we have today. Um, and also, if you look at like the civil rights movement and other like disability rights movement, that's giving us some movement as well, but there's a lot of updates that still need to be done to bring us into this modern workforce that we have today. Um, 
we it's hard to overcome this over history or cult of overwork because the laws say one thing or another um the economics of labor and also we have habits around these rituals around overwork we have to be really aware of that and our culture of overwork is taking a huge toll on us mentally physically we have job stress and burnout and we can overcome that um but there's a fine line between being engaged and being a workaholic um and so what is recommended is to to achieve work life harmony is to involve these two human needs autonomy and flexibility and we can protect ourselves and the system and organizations around us can change as well and you know kevin you provided some amazing ways that our employers can change and we can change um to to make a better work life harmony for all of us not just ourselves but for the system too any final thoughts no i i think just as as i was thinking i'm like it, this podcast is such a great example of work life harmony because we sort of don't force ourselves into like this has to hit or something we do it with harmony and and mm. i think that's why i think this is such a beautiful episode as well yeah for sure it, that's we we try to like have good harmony between things we don't force ourselves to record if we're not ready so yeah <laughs> Um so I love working with you Kevin this has been great. Thanks for another episode. Um so the final question we have for you today is what boundaries could you set to improve your work life harmony? Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J Wilson and Kevin Shaw. Two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at real amy j wilson and Kevin at Shaw Kevin.